Welcome to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. I am your host, Stephanie Pavlantos. So today I have a special guest, Loyla Lubis, but she is here today and um, thank you for coming. I appreciate your time and being on my podcast. Happy to be here. So Loyla is a certified professional parenting strategist and a life coach. She is a speaker, a teacher, a columnist, and a mother to four homeschooled children. So um, I'm excited to talk with you. And I was also a homeschool mom, so I understand that part of life. So thank you. I appreciate it. Um, So why don't you share with my audience a little bit more about you? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I'm all about motherhood, about communication, finding words that are powerful and meaningful and intentional, using actions that are strategic and and finding purpose and passion and mission for our children and our families and ourselves, using God's word to bring all of that into alignment. And then on a very practical level, uh, creating systems for the day-to-day, being intentional about the hours of our day that can so easily slip by. And I lost a lot of, a lot of years of my life before I got intentional about each one of those things. Mm -hmm. And um, that sort of leads into my, how did I end up being a parenting coach? So many people ask me like parenting is so difficult. Why would you choose to make that your work, your life's work? And I, I share with everybody, I didn't choose it. It shows me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as life often does, doesn't it? Right, right. it does. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, do you want me to share my background? And oh, sure. I- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I was a very strong-willed, <laughs> spicy child. Let's just leave it at that. Very spicy child. Firstborn, have one younger sister, and um, it was a rocky road, a really difficult journey. My my mom came from Venezuela to this country. She didn't know anything about Americans or or how to do life in America. My dad was like street hoodlum, you know, stand on, on the corner with the guys in the Bronx, New York. If anybody knows the New York area. Right. And they they met my mom had won um, Miss South America in 1961, came to America for the Miss Universe contest. Wow. And was visiting family in New York City like this. The whole story of how this all came together. So crazy. Yeah. But my my dad was like this genius. His story of how he made it through school and, and got hired by IBM like no. Anyway, crazy story. So he's got the brains. She's got the beauty. They meet on the corner of New York City. And um, the rest was history, right? But he was a product of the 60s. All she knew was the jungles of the the Amazon jungles of South America. Mm -hmm. And it was a a crash collision. And uh, we experienced things that no child should ever see, you know, think 60s, we're talking drugs, free sex, um, right. all, all the stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I got very angry, very rebellious, uh, very distrusting of authority. 
And my parents split at one point and my mom took me back to the jungles, the Amazon jungles. So I spent about six months around the age of seven or eight. These are very formative years right? in the jungle while my mom was having a nervous breakdown. And so I went into survival mode. They were going to put us up for adoption. Wow. You all knew what that meant, right? Two little white girls from America for sale in the jungle. Right. Right. Picture that. Yeah. Not good. (laughs) Not good. Not good. Right. So my grandmother wired to my dad, come quick. He didn't know anything, but he came Mm -hmm. and he put, uh, he brought everybody back, put my mom in a mental institution for a little while. And uh, we got sent around from babysitter to babysitter. This is where I learned that when a family is struggling or broken or dealing with severe trauma, predators can sniff that out. Yes. And so they did. And so I have a broken story of abuse. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, long story short, promised myself I'm going to be a great mom. I'm not going to make any of those mistakes, I'm going to fix everything, right? And just as the story goes, we end up repeating history in so many ways. Yes. And so I married someone who was a lot like my dad, Mm -hmm. ended up divorced in a shelter for battered women with, with a little baby on my head. Wow. Learned a really valuable life lesson through that. Keep in mind, nobody would have known everything I just shared with you. Two cars in the driveway, summer house for vacations. Mom is always doing amazing things. She's always in the newspaper for some amazing accomplishment. My dad is always getting awards and recognition. Wow. Right. We had new clothes for every holiday. Like, Life looked good from the outside, but incredibly broken behind closed doors. Right. Universal story, right? Yes, it is. I was thinking that. It's like, that can be your neighbor, right? I mean, anybody in your development in the United States. So, yeah. And yet here I was in a shelter for battered women. No money, no food, no job, no car, no friends, Mm -hmm. like destitute. I remember the day I was now during that season, during that time when I was in the shelter, that's when I got face to face with God during that time. Mm -hmm. I've been raised in the church, right? Through all this craziness, we were still going to church on Sundays, but it it meant nothing. Right. Nothing. And so here I am in a shelter and I'm watching this bag of food is all, there was no refrigeration, like, you know, and I've got a baby to take care of. And I was like, God, I'm, I'm going to die. I really felt like if something didn't happen to me, I was going to do something to me. Mm -hmm. I was at the bottom of the barrel and just got on my face, like literally got on the floor and begged God to take over, just do something. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be in charge anymore. Mm. And somebody gave me a Bible. Somebody gave me a junky old car. And I drove myself to a little old Baptist church in the inner city of Patterson, New Jersey. And um, 
things didn't go well. Like that was things, things did not immediately get better. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were like, you know, generally speaking, well, at least that community was very conservative. And I came into this thing still wearing <laughs> mini skirts and high heels and, you know, right. um, spicy. I was always spicy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. So <laughs> I understand. <laughs> right. So, um, but I determined I was just, it's just, I don't care what gets in the way. Nothing is going to stop me from getting closer to God. And the thing about my relationship with the Lord that led me to where I am today mm-hmm. is that I had never felt loved. Mm-hmm. When I cracked open that Bible for the first time in a place of need and started reading like desperate for help, the words on the page came alive. Wow. Every, I could smell the ocean water. Mm-hmm. I could hear, like, I could feel like... All my senses came alive Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I felt this incredible love for the first time. It hit me in a way that the fact I'm not crying right now is miraculous because it's, you know, 30 plus years later and I am still overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by the love, the, the beautiful, overwhelming, overflowing love of God for me. Yeah. Right. That's an emotional, very emotional thing. So it is amazing. I probably couldn't tell this story <laughs> without crying, but that's yeah. amazing. And and I think that, um, I think there are probably a lot of people who can identify because the thing I have found out by doing this podcast are the broken people who um, met, you know, Jesus, Yeshua, and boom turned around like their lives just completely turned around and it's always i mean it's a miracle it's 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 who he is right he 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 changes lives that's what he does but it's it's still just always an amazing story to hear how he changes lives and 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 yet many of us don't really believe it but you know we just kind of maybe you know kind of like the guy in in the Bible said, if you can, will you, you know, heal my son? And we still, and Jesus, what do you say? If I can, like, do you know who I am? <laughs> and so, and that's, I think what he still says to us, like, if I can, of course I can. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, tying this all in with parent coaching, mm-hmm. uh, I was, you know, I've got this little child. I'm just finally felt this personal relationship, experienced a personal relationship with the Lord, and I'm still a broken mess. Uh, I'm still a broken mess. It took years of therapy and exploration and, and you know, God's healing right. in my life. And I was still making a lot of the mistakes in my parenting journey. And probably about eight years later, I remarried. I, I was in the church met someone in the church. We're in a non-denominational church. We're starting a brand new family. I've got a child who's now a teenager, preteen, and it got messy really quick, right? Mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to marry in somebody, a believer, and I'm never going to make the mistakes of the past. And, you know, it's all going to be amazing. And it wasn't. Wow. It, because everybody's got their own childhood story, 
that right. plays in, it creates a worldview and there's subconscious things going on and you put two people together and it's, it's going to be challenging no matter what. Right. Right. So um, I'm doing all this exploration and making the same mistakes. And one day my 15 year old, my oldest now I've got three younger ones. And um, he said something and I just saw red. I just saw red. And I, you know, after years and years of stressful relationship with my child, who's, who's struggling because he's a child of divorce, right? right? You know, his dad was a drug addict and, and that was creating tons of problems on that end, different worldviews, all the mess. And uh, one day, I don't know, he said something. I went after him. I, I just hit him. I just hit him across the face. We both fell down into the tub. I'm not proud of this story, but this, this is, this is the ugly side of the healing process, the journey, the pivot right. points, right? And um, we both fell into the tub, crying, a mess, a wreck, shampoo everywhere. Like, and I was just like, how did I get here? How, how did I land in this place all these years later? How did this happen? This can never happen again. And I went down what they call the rabbit hole. I just, everything stopped. I started to explore deeper studies, work harder on myself, understand the psychology and the science behind brain behavior mm-hmm. and the way we respond. And I started correcting things big time. Homeschooling helped. It gave me time to work with my children and develop character rather than accolades, rather than the accomplishments, right? Like grades are a great thing, achievement, money, all these things that we pursue just in life. But without character development, without a relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. it's it's all a house of cards. Right. It can all easily tumble and just fall apart. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. That created a transformation that not only helps me with my children and my relationships, but I started to help other moms too, just, just in the church. And by then I had been in therapy for so many years that I became friends with them. They, they were my, uh, you know, they were my peers at that point. Right. right. Um, they were like, Loyla, you really need to do something with this. And eventually I did. I, I thought I was just going to be a grandma homeschooling my grandchildren like I never expected to go into business at all mm-hmm. and uh and eventually it was just I didn't have any grandchildren I was like okay what do I do now I just finished right. homeschooling four children mm-hmm. and so I did wow and that the rest is history I've been helping moms for and and dads but primarily I work with mm-hmm. moms uh for over since 2010 so you okay. know Awesome. Wow. That's pretty cool. I wish there were more dads. I mean, I understand the situation. You know, my husband worked full time in order for me to stay home with our children and homeschool. Then he put a lot of time into work, but he also had a very demanding job. So I understand, you know, where it can be hard for fathers to reach out and and kind of get the kind of maybe coaching or even therapy you know, to be a better father, it's, it's a, it's a different way of thinking for them. But I think we, as moms beat ourselves up when we, we have make major mistakes, you know, when we feel like we've made a major mistake with our kids. And, um, and I think that just women in general, more 
needing other women. Yeah. I also find that, um, you know, rather than feeling guilty, right, that mom guilt plays so hard. We lay in bed and we're just like, oh my gosh, have I ruined my child, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that everything becomes an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We're growing and we're learning together. Mm-hmm. And it's never, no matter what has happened, it is never too late to say, to come alongside our children and authentically, honestly say, you know what? Um, I don't like the way I handled that yesterday. Mm-hmm. What I what I did was X. What I should have done was Y. Mm-hmm. And and especially if you have if you're if you're having this conversation with a strong-willed child, meaning they're super sensitive, they feel yes. everything, and they hang on to everything. <laughs> they don't want to let it go. Is to say, would you help me? Would you help me? Are you going to help me next time you see me do the thing I did? Would you just remind me? Or let's come up with a code word, right? You make it sort of fun and lighthearted. Yeah. They have something to gain. They feel good about being invited into this dynamic where you're not over lorded it, lording it over them. Right. But you're, you're almost coming face it. You're not losing your position as parent, right? You're, you're not giving that role up, but you're coming alongside them to say, you're important. I value you. You have position in the home. And even though you're you're you don't have and you're not saying this but this is the reality they don't have maturity they don't have experience or neurological development that doesn't mean they can't be uh an an asset to the family identity and the vibe in the home and and being an accountability partner yeah depending on the age right 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 yeah i mean it's amazing that you just described a strong-willed child to the to the T because as a young mom, I thought a strong-willed child was probably insensitive. They, you know, it was all about them. They wouldn't be sensitive to what you needed, what you wanted. Um, You know, it's, it's just simply, it's this almost this demanding, like it's all about me type of personality, but it's amazing because both my husband and my youngest um, are strong-willed. I mean, that's just how they are. But they're my two most sensitive people in the family. And it's like, how can you be so strong here and then be so sensitive here? It was really like total opposites of the spectrum that I expected from my husband and then from my son. Um, but yeah. it's amazing. It's and But they're so much alike. And so I know that if, you know, Mike reacts this way to something, then Michael's going to react this way to it too. You know, it's just, they're both, they think so much alike. So it's really amazing how you just described a strong-willed child. (laughs) Well, it takes one to know one, right? Yes, (laughs) it does. (laughs) So let's tie this into sibling rivalry, right? Since Mm -hmm. this is the topic of our conversation today. Typically in sibling rivalry, when there's two kids who are consistently going at it oh, daily, yes. um, one of them is going to be labeled the strong-willed child. One of them is going to be the antagonist, more aggressive, more physical, uh, more enraged, right? We're talking about being very sensitive. 
and having a lot of energy. They have a lot of like alpha energy. Yes. And the other one tends to be, it just, it, you know, not always, but tends to be more docile, Mm -hmm. more willing to be the peacemaker. And mom, right. The parent sees this and it becomes, it, it, it creates this perpetuation of negative energy where there's this tension between two children one of them t- tends to be more um, physical, more aggressive, more yeah. uh, willing to in- get into an entanglement. Right. And so anytime you hear the yelling from the other room, right, you're busy doing something, you hear the kids going at it, you come running in, there's a tendency to automatically assume, right, which one has started or caused the problem. Exactly. Now, this creates um, a mindset in that child of, I am unloved, I am unfavored, life is not fair, nobody loves me, and I don't get what I need. This starts so early in the family dynamic that neurologically, this kind of self-talk in a child, mm-hmm. it, it goes right into the subconscious, right? The subconscious is that that the blind spot, the thing we can't see. Right. Right. And so um, what I have learned over time and with, with God's guidance and leadership and through scripture Mm -hmm. is that sibling rivalry is way, way more dangerous than we are willing that, than we acknowledge generally speaking, Every time I talk to a, a parent who is dealing with sibling rivalry, they're just sort of like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's a thing, but it'll go away. It'll go right. away. Right now it's driving us crazy, but it'll go away. And this this ideology must be changed because mm-hmm. the mindset, the self-talk becomes a way of looking at everything in life. Through negativity, through rejection, through a lack mindset, Mm -hmm. right? Life isn't fair. Nobody loves me. (laughs) I get rejected and I don't have enough. Mm -hmm. That that plays out not just in the sibling dynamic, but in all interactions. Right. It's, It's funny because, you know, we had the same thing that you're describing. So my strong-willed child is the youngest of the three and he's also the most aggressive the the most challenging you know he will challenge you he will challenge other people but he was also my baby you know so there was this like dual thing going on where he could literally hurt my feelings but at the same time it was like oh you're my baby why are you doing this you know and and then my middle child would look at and look at our relationship meaning the relationship between my youngest son and I and he's and she's like you know he said he gets everything he wants he he gets away with things because you know you he's your baby in a sense and I never really said those things it was just in my mind you know I you know it's just he was he was as a little boy that's it was just funny, but it was, it, he was so good at manipulating me. And so, um, but my husband saw right through it and he would like, no, Stephanie, you cannot give into this. And, and, um, you know, at four, we hit this point where it was just like, 
I have to do something. I really have to change the way I deal with him. But even now, they're both in their 20s. You know, all three of my kids are in their 20s. And and they, and they my middle will still say, why do you stand up for him? Why do you stand up for him? And it's yeah. like, but but to him, I'm like, stop, leave her alone. You know, stop. You, you have to be more sensitive. But she doesn't see that side. So then that's like, so then she still thinks I'm favoring him or something. So... You know, it's just because he can be so opinionated and she's like, I don't, you're not my father. I don't need your opinion, you know, kind of thing going on. So even in their twenties, there's still this kind of, it's still going on. And it's sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what to do about it. I don't, I, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to change it. People are really poorly equipped to deal with sibling rivalry. I mean, no, nobody is talking about, about this. I find that it even shows up even into marriage. You know, you get two children who both were <laughs> the strong-willed child, who both experienced sibling rivalry, married together. Oh, yeah. Wounds, a lot of wounds oh, yeah. have to be yeah. worked out. Yeah. But so I want, I want to tie this in. I want to, you know, I could talk forever on the psychology, the science, the the dynamics of sibling rivalry in the present and stay really practical. But I want want us to turn around, pivot a little bit and and look at scripture. And here's why. You know, there are layers. When we read scripture, there is the very practical level. What, how do I handle today? How do I do my life today? Then there's the, a, a deeper meaning. Right. So there's layers of meaning all, you know, all the way into deep, mystical, spiritual principles. Mm -hmm. What I want to what I love is that every time we dive into scripture, we can come in and look at a a layer and find it's like mining for gems. We can Mm -hmm. find brand new things. And as I have been working as a parenting coach and addressing typical repeatable problems that that people relate to one of them being sibling rivalry going back into scripture Mm -hmm. there are all these nuggets of wisdom and insights and aha moments when you put on the lens of dealing with sibling rivalry and where Mm -hmm. does this show up in scripture and what insights can i get from it shows up a lot of places all over the place Mm -hmm. i mean going all the way back to the first sin. So let's play a little game here, a little trivia, right? Okay. For for your listeners, for us, where where did the first sin in scripture take place? Well, I would say in heaven, right. Satan himself. That's right. And what was the what was the character issue that caused him to sin? Yeah, pride, wanting to be on top. Jealousy. Wanting, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could say a number of answers and they'd all right. be, but when we're looking through this lens of sibling rivalry, there was jealousy there. Exactly. He wanted what God had, mm-hmm. right? So the consequence was tragic, yeah. right? For, right? for humanity. Right. But so, right. So, so Satan is cast out of the heavenly realm. He's judged. His ultimate, his ultimate uh, end is, is annihilation. Mm-hmm. Right. So then we look at Adam and Eve now. Right. They're in the garden and Satan tempts them. 
what was, again, through this lens of sibling rivalry, what was the character deficiency that led them to sin? Wanting something they couldn't have. Yeah, exactly. Jealousy, wanting, deprived of something, right? Mm -hmm. That's a characteristic in sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. So, so the consequence of that, right, of uh, one of many is death, mm-hmm. death, right? Yes. But curiously, what is the first experience of death that Eve has to deal with? It's n- it's not her own death, right? It's the death of her child, mm. right? Yeah, right. And what what brought about that death of her child? Another child. Sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. Cain, he makes an, he offers, Cain and Abel both make an offering. Right. And God is pleased with one and not with the other. Cain feels rejected, feels it's not fair. You know, what, right. am I my brother's keeper? He, there, you can see that you can practically feel yeah. the tones of resentment that I'm sure didn't start right then and there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so Cain is murderous. He's just his his resentment, his jealousy right. is just murderous. And so Eve experiences the consequences of having sinned, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. death, not in her own death, not not that first, but right. in her own death, which kind of tells us, right, if we're mining for gems here, mm-hmm. that it's the children who suffer when we don't deal with our character, when right. we don't deal with, with a weakness in our soul, there's a tendency in when, as a parent dealing with sibling rivalry to try and just appease, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Like, to come in like, like to come in like the judge and, and who was wrong here, right? That's the first thing we do when we come into the yes. room when yeah. they've been bickering is who did it, who started it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> That is not, that sends the wrong message to children. That sends the wrong message when we approach the problem, who did the wrong thing here? Who right. who, who is in need of consequences here for what they did? Right. They bypassed the real issue. You see, we're, it's really an inner character issue. It is, yep. um, what is my worth? What is my value? Mm-hmm. How do I handle? Let's say um, the more gentle child took something from the strong-willed child mm-hmm. in, in this dynamic, right, scenario. And mom comes in, dad comes in, and wants to bring justice to the situation. Right. What is overlooked is that the way they handled their desire the way they handled an injustice, a perceived injustice, mm-hmm. the way they reacted, responded, that's about, that's an opportunity to develop character. Mm-hmm. So the gentle child has something to work on. The more passive child has something to work on. Boundaries, mm-hmm. personal boundaries, and other people's boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the younger child is too passive, well, that child has to learn how to use their voice, use their 
um, their their body to defend themselves? When do they need to bring it to mom? Like there's many character issues to work on for the gentle child right. and the strong-willed child. Okay, what should you do when something of yours is has been taken from you? A boundary has been crossed. Like this is opportunity to develop life skills. It, when seen through the eyes of opportunity, both children are blessed. Right. Right. And because that's, we don't, we see, okay, not only in Cain and Abel and go, going back, do we see this issue of jealousy, mm-hmm. of a desire to have what they don't have, which is a, a poverty mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. If we go on now to Isaac and Ishmael, just yeah. grabbing another story. Exactly. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's the handmaid's child versus Sarah's child. Mm-hmm. And even when they were pregnant between the two women, it started there because Hagar was being mean to her mistress. So I'm pregnant. You're not too bad for you. I'm the better person. Almost that kind of mindset. It's not surprising then that that kind of came down to the children. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And just like Eve. It came down to the children. The consequences happened with the children. Mm-hmm. Character flaws. And we all have these. These are very universal character flaws, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, the, that's the beauty of looking at scripture through this lens, you know, for the sake of our conversation, through sibling rivalry, right. is we can see how far back this issue goes and what can we learn, extract from it and apply it in the present day. Yes. So we see that there was um, a, the root cause was a battle for preeminence, right? Who's, who's the better, who's more blessed, who has more status between mm-hmm. the moms, right? Because being pregnant was seen as a highly sought after thing for women. We're looking at the promise playing out in, in this storyline, but both children, when I look back at, at that scenario, what I see is that God Promise the blessing for both children. Right. 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 And he was looking after. Mm-hmm. He he kept those lines going and protected and had a mission, a purpose for mm-hmm. each one of those children, even though their parenting story is so very different. Right. Right. You know, the storylines are drastically different. But um there is a different journey. Like, what can we take out of that? What's the gem? There are different journeys and missions mm-hmm. for each child within a family, no matter right. who they are. Right. And they're part of a bigger family identity. Mm-hmm. There's a bigger picture going on here. Right. When we can tap in to that bigger picture, what, you know, when we get clarity, like, um, like a puzzle, you dump out all the thousand pieces. It's all chaotic, but there's a cover there. Yes. And when we can look at the cover and see the picture, then it helps us put together all the pieces better. Yes. Children don't know their family identity. They don't have that cover photo. Mm-hmm. Nothing lines up. Nothing makes sense. The course correction, the the the, the character deficiencies, my, my purpose within the family, it's mm-hmm. all chaotic and confused. Right. A strong-willed child does not like 
will not be part of that chaos and confusion. They mentally, they check out much sooner than anyone else of the children in the family. Yeah. Oh, it's funny because we're having a family party. My youngest strong-willed child says, who's going to be there? Are all their children going to be there? And because, you know, in his mind, you have these children just running around wildly and there's no control. There's no, you know, no one's fighting the chaos type of thing. And he he wants to be prepared. Like, is this what I'm going to walk into? Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. I can see how that relates. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to be part of this chaos. I'm, I can't do that. So. Yeah. You know, it, the funny thing about strong-willed kids is they like to act like they're the they're calling the shots. They have a lot of alpha energy, leadership yes. energy, right? So much potential there. And yet, and they'll take it. They'll, if they see an opportunity, they will step in and take it. Right. But at the same time, there is resentment. There is resentment that because there wasn't somebody competent at the top. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they yeah. look. Because even in my own, within my marriage, you know, I mean, yeah, just like you mentioned, I mean, we make mistakes, you know, we, we both come in with baggage and, and the things that I've learned now in the last 10 years about how marriage is supposed to be, how men and women are gifted differently or, you know, individuals and how we're supposed to bring things into the marriage and, and, you know, whatever. It's like all these things I've been learning, but here's my son. And in his mind, he's like, why didn't you stand up for yourself? Why did you, you know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? Why did you take that? Why didn't now my, don't get me wrong. My husband wasn't at all abusive in any way. It was just that he felt like I should have put more of an effort in instead of like, okay, we'll do it your way. No, why didn't you fight? Why didn't you push this? You thought this was right. Why didn't you do it? Why did you just give in? You know, so he looks at all those things. And now, I mean, sometimes he just wants to throw them in my face. Like I should have been stronger. I should have taken more of an initiative. I should have done this or that. And it's like, what you don't get is there are some battles that aren't meant to be fought and not worth fighting. I had to choose my battles. I had to choose what was best for us as a family. Is it worth me carrying on a fight for days over something that really didn't mean that much? No, it wasn't. It meant a lot to him that we do it this way. So I gave in, you know, I let it go. I said, there's always going to be that in every relationship. You have to decide what is most important. Is it worth divorce? Is it worth a terrible marriage because you want what you want and you're going to stay on your ground and not be flexible? So, you know, so he doesn't, he didn't see things that way. And so now I'm able to talk more and, you know, speak more into his life. Like you are your dad whether you want to admit it or not, whether you like what you see all the time or not, you are your father. You are the strong-willed man that he has been all your life. And you are going to turn around and you're going to make the same mistakes if you're not careful. A beautiful spin, a beautiful way to pivot the the toxicity that can often happen in these conversations, Mm -hmm. strong-willed child, is is to flip the script so that the narrative is not about 
um, who should have done what, but character development, soul, mm -hmm. right? We're talking about aspects, the curriculum of the soul, right? This comes up in Musar, right? Which is a whole other conversation, but- You can explain that term if you want. So just so people know what so you're talking Musar about. Musar is, is a, a spiritual, boy, we should really have Keisha Gallagher right here, right? I know. I know. Really <laughs> talk about this, but um, so spiritual development of the soul based on the different aspects. So we all know Musar is really about the fact that we are a body, we are a, a vessel, but we mm -hmm. possess a soul, and we come into the world with certain strengths and deficiencies and circumstances that create like a curriculum, just like if you went to school, and there are certain aspects certain things we want to make sure we address in, in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So God has given every soul a curriculum and all right. of the circumstances are there to shine a spotlight on where the imbalance is. Mm -hmm. You might be the kindest, nicest, most gentle person in the world. And from, from all accounts, we would celebrate that. But are you a pushover? Are you a doormat? Do you right. not up for truth, this would be an imbalance or deficiency of the soul. So mm -hmm. Musar really is about addressing, finding balance, the sweet spot mm -hmm. in all the different character traits of the soul. I, I love it. I just, mm -hmm. it has helped me, number one, just become aware mm -hmm. that this is really about my soul. This whole journey, everything I've dealt with in my life. This is not against me. This is not happening to me. This is happening for me. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I have grown, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, there there were so many battles when we were younger in our marriage, because, again, my husband's very strong willed. He's very disciplined. He's, you know, it was just he, all the strongness in him were weaknesses in me. And so instead of seeing that as a good thing, like, oh, here's where I can become stronger by learning how, you know, how he, how strong he is, you know, instead, I, I tended to fight it. I tended to like, you know, don't push that strong world stuff on me. And so it part of maturity, but, but not just emotionally, but spiritually. I mean, I had to mature in knowing, look, this is how God made him. And yeah, we can take the best of ourselves and we can misuse them, right? We can we can misuse those gifts and that strength that God gives us in whatever area, but we have to let God have control of it. But at the same time, I can't look at somebody because they're different as my enemy. I have to see what is the good I can learn. And I think that's been our growth pattern throughout our marriage. It's like suddenly starting to see, okay, you're strong in this area. I'm strong in this area. We can put those strengths together instead of them, you know, rejecting each other. So I think that's really good. But Musar, um, I said it wrong, but M-U-S-S-A-R, in case somebody wants to look that up and and um, explore it a little bit more on their own. So. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, everything that happens to the strong-willed child, to the parents, to, you know, all these combinations, sibling rivalry, all of these different dynamics that are swirling around in the home, um, right. these are all opportunities to focus on, to address mm -hmm. our character, flaws, weaknesses, strengths, and and assess, you know, do these personal assessments 
in right. in prayerful listening mode, right? Meditation with the Lord, listening and 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 communicating, and searching Scripture because there are nuggets of gold all throughout the, these these yeah. stories. And we, we, I barely scratched the surface. I know, yeah. you know, even just in Genesis, right, right, because right. uh, yeah, you could go so so much deeper, and and I understand that. And we're actually kind of near the end of our time, but. This has been wonderful because um, I learned a lot. So I think I'm I'm certain that our my audience is going to learn. They can get in touch with you. So I have several links you've given me. So mothers in training, all like all one word, no spaces. dot org is your website. Parenting tips for strong word, strong willed kids. That's plural kids, yes. and that is her Facebook page. And Mothers in Training is the name of your Instagram. So they can seek you out. And probably, I think I saw on your website where people can get in touch with you for coaching sessions. Absolutely. I love, love, love to talk about this stuff. Uh, It is such a, it's an honor for me to come alongside a parent and just, you know, navigate that journey together. And it's very individual. It's very unique for each family and each child. And um, it's important to honor those uniqueness and, and create unique solutions for these for these issues. Yeah, it's definitely good. Very good. Thank you. I appreciate your time and just your wisdom because a lot of good stuff there. And there's a lot of good stuff on your website. So please check her her website out and her other social media things. So Um, But thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Stephanie. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find me at graftedjewishroots.com. Please check out my Bible study, Jewels of Hebrews, on my website. And I also have a Facebook page under the same name. Join me every Wednesday for a new episode of Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. Thank you for listening.